I want to share from Psalm 2, uh, two Psalms actually, I just want to share from, uh, but just to say before that, I've put on the WhatsApp group uh, that I feel very led of the Lord to share on what I would call, or I do call the Shehalian Revelation, which is pretty potent stuff about uh, things like Freemasonry in Scotland, uh, what happens in Shehalian, I'm told a good authority once a year, and how that actually impacts the nations, and how it's in the Word of God. So there's a lot of stuff that I want to unpack with that. Um, I, could, I could do it today, but I don't want to miss stuff out, so I'm actually preparing notes, and I'll bring that, and I'll stick it in the podcast. Um, I don't share it widely, um, because I have to pick my audience, so, but I just feel led by the Lord to do that. So, But before that, let's just look at Psalm 2, because I believe there's some stuff in here that the Lord wants us to see about the, the nations and about the condition of the world right now, but uh, particularly in Scotland and, and for us as a group, to give us a focus. Now, I'm not trying to teach people how to pray, what to pray, all that type of stuff, because I'm quite sure, that, I mean, I know there are intercessors here that could easily teach on this stuff, but I just want to share some things from Scripture that I believe are vital um, to see because so much, we don't know, and we've been saying this to each other, and, and even people that I would say I really respect and admire in ministry terms, they're saying they don't know. Is this the end times? Now, if anybody's emphatic about that and dogmatic about that, then yeah, I would say, well, it's been the end times since Jesus went, went up to heaven. Amen. Amen. So we are in the end times, but are we in the very end of times? You know, I'm a great believer that the devil looks at what Christians are saying and actually gives us, he feeds us the stuff to fear. So, for example, was it, is the vaccine the mark of the beast? Well, the devil would love everybody to fear the mark of the beast. But the reality is, we don't know if what's happening in the nations right now uh, is something that, if you like, we can't defeat because it's the end times and we just have to accept it and so on. Or if this is something we can put down and then go into a period where it's just glory, revival, awakening, which has long been prophesied anyway. Amen. So we don't know. And until we really do know, I, I think we, it's like an army. When you join the army, you go through boot camp and, and get all your drills. You're, t you're taught standing orders. There are things you do all the time. And you don't need somebody, you don't need a sergeant major to, to do those things. You do them because they're standing orders. And until those standing orders are replaced by specific orders, like right, you're not doing your drill today, you're going off to war or whatever, we just keep doing standing orders. And standing orders for us as believers, as the church, is to disciple the nations. Simple as that. And you say, well, but this is the end times, it's the Antichrist, it's Babylon, all that. Well, even so, we've still got our standing orders. So let's look at Psalm 2 and look at some uh, things here. It says, why do the heathen rage? The heathen, of course, in Hebrew, simply means the nations. Why do the nations rage? And the people imagine a vain thing or the people plot a vain thing or the people's plot in vain. The kings of the earth. 
the kings of the earth. And that's not talking about monarchies. That's talking about the people who rule. And the rulers take counsel together. The kings of the earth, you could say, are the visible rulers. The presidents, the prime ministers, and so on. How many people know, though, they're not the real rulers? Their answer to a hidden hand, which is a collective of bankers, um, religious orders, we spoke about Freemasonry, right? And there are others that we could name. And, of course, merchants, billionaires. There's a, there's a cabal. I like that word, cabal. And that cabal is telling Boris Johnson what to do. Boris Johnson's not making the decisions. They're telling him what to do. Nicola's the same. They're all the same. You know, and, and whether or not they've been blackmailed or whether or not they've signed up, they are the puppets. And they're a puppet master. So... The Bible tells us that. Oh, you conspiracy theorists. Well, it, the conspiracy is not a theory. It's a Bible fact. It's a Bible truth. The kings of the earth set themselves, the rulers, take counsel together. Or in other uh, versions it says they band together or they plot together. There is a conspiracy because the Bible tells us there is. Against who? Against Yahweh and against his anointed. So right away it's telling us it's uh, against God, it's an anti-God agenda, and against his anointed, which in Greek is anti-Christos, isn't it? It's against Christ. And this isn't, I don't believe this is just speaking about Jesus. It's speaking about God's anointed, which includes us. So it's against God, against Jesus, and against the church. Or the people of God, the ecclesia. And it says, and cast, it says, it says against the Lord, against his anointed. And this is what they say, saying, let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. Okay? Let us break their chains. Let us throw off their shackles. Let us burst free from the restraints. And who, who is putting those restraints on them? We are. When we demand godly government, when we demand righteousness in the land, when we, when we meet in prayer meetings and ask for godly order and righteous rulers, and also when we say we expect our governments to align with this book. Amen? We don't expect that there will be laws that allow Adam to marry Steve because Adam and Eve is what the Bible, you understand? So it's not that we're being hate-filled people. It's that we're saying we want governments to conform and societies to conform and cultures to conform to this book. And, and that's been the way for hundreds and hundreds of years. But you see, the Bible says they don't like it. They want to make their own laws. They want the isms. Back in the Old Testament, we had the, the ites, the, the Ammonites, the Hittites, all the ites, the tribes that opposed Israel, well, here in our day, we have the isms, communism, socialism, feminism, humanism, atheism, all the isms. And those isms are opposed, and they don't, they're saying, we don't want the restraints. We don't want that it's only a man can marry women. We don't want uh, that, you know, we have to govern our society righteously. We want wrong to be right and right to be wrong. We've seen that in the last 18 months, haven't we? Now, then it says here, so 
These rulers and governments and governmental powers are opposed to the people of God who want to put these restraints on them. And you know, we often vote for politicians who promise that they'll give us godliness or a form of godliness or righteousness or decency. And then when they get into power, what happens? Oh, you know, they just cast it off. Now, look at God's response. He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. So God responds is to laugh at them. We get a bit upset. But you know, the reason we get a bit upset is because we're on earth and we're viewing it from earth's perspective. But if we were to get up beyond the veil, get up into the throne room where we're seated with Christ already and start looking from that perspective, we would be laughing too. And it's interesting, it says, he that sits in the heavens. God isn't pacing up and down saying, what are we going to do now? He's not worried. He laughs. Because it says, then shall he speak unto them in his wrath and vex them in his sore displeasure. I'm wanting to see that. I want to see God vexing Boris Johnson and, and all these characters. He says, yet have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. And we know that Prophetically, this is speaking about Jesus. I will declare the decree. See, this is a problem is that sometimes we think that bawling and squalling and begging and, and that's our approach to intercessory prayer. Now, we should be interceding. But God is declaring a decree. And, and sometimes we need to get in, as I was saying, we need to get back into that mode of we make decrees and declarations not because we've been arrogant and haughty but we're speaking God's word into situations and upon nations rather than begging God to do something so sometimes it's just a matter of shifting our posture shifting our thinking to, to understand God is not wanting us necessarily unless the Holy Spirit leads you specifically but all that you know on your knees fasting and praying all that stuff it's great if it's done by the leading of the Holy Ghost, but it's not good if it's done religiously, or this is the way you do it. Now, the way we do it is to look at God's word and see how does he do it. So I will declare the decree, and you know, if we're going to say the same thing, homologio in the Greek, saying the same thing, we need to be declaring the decree, and it says, The Lord has said unto me, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. Ask of me and I shall give thee the heathen or the nations for your inheritance, the uttermost parts of the earth for your possession. Now we ought to be saying that. The nations are Jesus' inheritance. They don't belong to the cabal. They don't belong to Satan. They don't belong to high-ranking uh, wicked spirits in heavenly realms. They belong to Christ. You had a vision um, in a prayer meeting in victory. And I, I, I saw uh, angels, one, flat, one holding uh, a flagpole, if you like, and the other flying across the city of Glasgow, unfurling a banner from the, the pole, and it said, property of the body of Christ, Glasgow. So Glasgow, Scotland, the United Kingdom, they don't belong to the cabal. They don't belong to Boris. They don't belong to Bill Gates. They don't belong to... Uh, Klaus Schwab they don't belong to the, the evil spirits animating and driving them they belong to Christ and they belong to you and I you know in this very hill it's believed Mungo preached 
in this very hill here, Mungo preached and said, let Glasgow flourish by the preaching of his word and the praise of his name. So Glasgow is tied forever to the kingdom of God. And it's not just Glasgow, the whole of Scotland. Scotland is the land of destiny. Uh, anyway, so let's press on. I want to show you this. And you know it says here the uttermost parts of the earth or the ends of the earth. Now that in Bible times was not just what we would say, oh, the far-flung corners of the globe to the end of the earth and back, all the, all the stuff we use to just describe the furthest away point. The ends of the earth in the Bible was a specific reference to a specific geographical location, which was the British Isles. Okay? And of course, the very ends of the earth are here in Scotland, because if you go up to John O'Groats, that's the very end, isn't it? The Romans actually, they called this whole region, uh, the British Isles and even Iceland, Ultima Thule, the end of the world. So it wasn't just, oh, as far as you can go. It meant a very specific area. And it says here, the ends of the earth for thy possession. Think about that. Now, I like to say it this way. Scotland is Jesus' possession. Britain is Jesus' possession. Amen? And you know, you could go, you could, you could, you could include other uh, parts of the world with that, but very specifically, the ends of the earth of the northwestern isles from the Middle East at that time are from Israel. Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron, thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Be wise now, therefore, O ye kings, be instructed, ye judges of the earth. Let's go back to that, talk about the ends of the earth. You know, we've been speaking on our WhatsApp group about how Scotland is the world centre of Satanism, witchcraft, Freemasonry, all the, all the, the, the control, if you like, from the, the occult, evil, dark side. That's why. Because whatever God says, that's my territory, that's my possession. The devil disputes it. You know, as you'll see in the, the Shehalian revelation, what did, what did uh, Lucifer say? I'm, I, I'm, I'm going up. That mountain's mine. I will ascend. I'm going to take that territory, that mountain of holiness, the holy mount of God. That's going to be mine. I'm going to sit above. So it's disputed territory. Scotland is disputed territory. We had not with the Covenanters before that, with Columba and all uh, the Celtic saints. It's always been disputed territory. And, and, and of course, it was plunged into the Dark Ages for hundreds of years. But then it came the light of, of the gospel and so on. So if you look at the history of Scotland and the history of the whole British Isles, in fact, you see this constant battle between uh, Christ and the kingdom of darkness trying to usurp and take as its possession. That's why the place is rife with uh, Satanism, witchcraft, all the evils, and so on. So the ends of the earth, and we need, we need to be people that declare a decree, Scotland is Jesus' possession. Okay? Jesus is Lord. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Anyway, it says you'll break with a, a rod of iron. Be wise now, therefore, O ye kings, be instructed, ye judges of the earth. This is God's message to, to rulers. Serve Yahweh with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son or submit to God's royal son, lest he be angry. 
That's the message we have for Nicola Sturgeon today. That's the message we have for politicians today. That's the message we have for Glasgow City Chambers today. And it's, it's simple. Bow the knee to King Jesus. Oh, you can't take that message in, into a secular council. They need it more than anybody. They need it more than, than we do. Amen. We've already bowed the knee. It's not us that need to hear that. It's our politicians, it's our councillors, it's our rulers, if you like, our leaders. And it says, and if you don't do it, you'll perish from the way when his wrath is kindled, but a little blessed are all they that put their trust in him. Now, if you just um, to flip over to Psalm 149, it's interesting that the second psalm in the book of Psalms and the second last psalm in the book of Psalms are both linked they're both saying the same thing from different perspectives. But they're saying the same thing. So let's just read this very short, uh, six, uh, nine verses, sorry. Psalm 149. Praise ye Yahweh, sing unto Yahweh a new song. And his praise in the congregation of saints. Well, right away, we've got a problem. Because that's not a suggestion, it's a command. And in 2021 Scotland, we're not allowed to do that because our government says we can't. First of all, it tried to say that you can't have a congregation of the saints, but it says, well, we may allow you, you might have 20, but you're not allowed to sing. Yeah? But you can go and watch Scotland playing football and sing. Or in England, you can go and watch England and, and, and you don't need to wear a mask, you don't need to social distance, but when you come in here, you need to keep the seats two metres apart, or it's 31 metre now. I mean, that's really kind that, you know, we're only one metre away from our friends. But you see, it's all... The agenda is not about protecting the population. The agenda is about suppressing God's ecclesia in the earth. Okay? And it says here... Let Israel rejoice in him that made him. Let the children of Zion be joyful in their king. Let them praise his name in the dance. Let them sing praise unto him with a timbrel and harp. Well, we don't have any harps here, but we do have a timbrel. Quite a few. Uh, but you see, we're not allowed to dance. And you think, well, okay, it's not a big deal. You know, it's, it's a safety measure. Why are we getting upset about that? We'll see, because it's in this psalm why we get upset about it. For the Lord, or Yahweh, takes pleasure in his people. He will beautify the meat with salvation. Let the saints be joyful in glory. Now watch this. Let them sing aloud upon their beds. Now they say, well, you can go, you can go to your bedroom and sing aloud if your neighbours don't object. But you can't do it in here. And, and that's a good thing because what it means is we're not restricted. You know, we don't have to come to a holy, special, set, uh, set apart, sacred building to engage in this. We can do it in our beds. And in actual fact, if you, if you go into the Hebrew, you'll see it says you, you can actually do this in your sleep. What, what it means is this is to be part of your lifestyle. This is just ordinary. This is, you know, was it Sid Roth says... Um, you know, uh, the, the supernatural is, is natural. So, so doing this stuff is normality. And look what it says next. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth. 
And the high praise of God, again, if you look at the Hebrew, it means a deep-throated roar. And a two-edged sword in their hand, which is this book. And the word two-edged, both in Hebrew and in Greek, particularly in Greek, means two-mouthed. So God has released his mouth in speaking his word. And we must, in order for that sword to be two-edged, two-mouthed, we need to speak it as well. But they want to silence us, folks. That's the key thing. They want to silence us. You know, you should all be sitting with masks on. You shouldn't be singing. You shouldn't really be, you know, you should be socially distancing, all of that. Because they don't want this to happen. The high praises of God in your mouth. Let's stop them meeting together because if they get the high praises of God in their mouth and they get their Bibles out, we're in trouble. What did Mary Queen of Scots say? I fear the prayers of John Knox more than all the armies of Europe, France, whatever it is. Because she understood this guy could pray me out. And he did. And he did. And anybody, in and in, in, in Karen will, will back this up, Anybody that's in the occult, Satanism, Luciferianism, whatever it is, in these corridors of power, they understand it. They understand it better than any Christian. And what they're really saying is, if any of these guys get to praying those imprecatory prayers or get serious, we're, we're out, not just out of a job, but we're going to be six feet under. And I'm telling you right now, I've been in prayer meetings where we prayed, so we didn't pray death on anybody, but, but we prayed that God would mightily move, and the following day, people died. Politicians died. Or, or within a short space of time. But one day in particular, overnight, in fact, right after our prayer meeting, one politician dropped dead. Now we're not saying, oh, let's pray death upon all these people. We're not saying that. What we're saying is, this is not messing around time. This is not playing games. This is not doing uh, mental Nintendo. And you like remember the old days of territorial warfare, where you, somebody would go into the room, they'd come out to us like, well, that's every demon in this city bound. We can all go now and get everybody saved. It's just Nintendo, wasn't it? In their head. We're not talking about foolishness or playing games. We're talking about Reality, which is the devil wants your mouth closed and the principalities and powers want your mouths closed. And they don't want you to bring your Bible into church and start saying stuff like this. And they certainly don't want you saying Jesus is Lord because that's the most powerful thing you can say. Put it this way, that's what gets you born again. That's what translates you from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Okay, let's just uh, press on with this. It says here, the high praise of God be in the mouth, a two-edged sword in their hand. Here's why. Here's why. To execute vengeance upon the nations. It has a purpose. Praising God with intentionality, speaking forth his word, with the purpose of discipling the nations and bringing earthly rulers 
into the restraints that God places upon them. When we do that, that's exactly what happens. It says to execute vengeance upon the nations and punishments upon the people. I think it's Revelation 8 when it says that the prayers of God's saints go up into heaven and there's an angel and it takes your prayers, mixes them with incense in a bowl and throws them out onto the earth as, as judgment. Every time you and I pray, it's mixed in heaven and thrown back to the earth as judgment upon the nations. That's sober, isn't it? I don't know if that applies to when you pray for Auntie Jeannie's sore toe and, you know, and, oh, Lord, help my lumbago and stuff like that. I don't know if it, you know, if it's, oh, Lord, you know, bless the, the lollipop man, you know, because he's such, you know, I don't know if that works. But we're talking about serious prayer. Not, don't have anything against lollipop men. <laughs> Amen? I like them. Okay. Punishments upon the people. Why do the people need punishments? Well, it's not because God is capricious and petty and spiteful, and nor are we. What it means is, is that people bump into judgment by the way they live their lives. But they're not going to bump into judgment if God's people are sitting playing at church. They'll only do that when, when there's a serious remnant of God's people who are petitioning God, declaring God's purpose upon the nation, and then... Angels get to move, the kingdom of God starts to come, and all of a sudden we find ourselves in supernatural realms where people su suddenly bump into the fact that God is intervening and God's presence has come down. And then look what it says. To bind their kings with chains and their nobles or their leaders with fetters of iron. You see, in Psalm 2, these kings and leaders were saying, we want to throw these restraints off, but here in Psalm 149, we're told how to put them on. Which says, don't be silenced. Praise God with a deep-throated roar. And I'm not suggesting that that means we all go around screaming. I don't think that's what it means. I think it means being serious. Yeah. And praising Him. Praising Him for what? Praising Him for being Lord. Because, you know, to a lot of Christians, Jesus is just a sort of buddy in the sky. Or a cosmic guru, or you know, he's all love and he, he, he wakes at center. You know, he, he understands. He understands that I've run away with another woman. He understands that I'm robbing banks. He understands I'm doing drugs. Whatever it is, he just you know because he loves me. Anyway. But when but when you treat him with fear, the fear of the Lord, then he gets. If we get serious about who he is. He gets serious about intervening. Amen. You know, and, and we talk about, we, we, I say we talk about imprecatory prayers. We need to stop talking about them and start praying them. Amen. Amen. And, and I know some of us do and, and we see results, but you know, one of the reasons that we're in the mess we're in is because we, we haven't done it enough. To bind their kings with chains, if you want to change things, because right now you and I are being bound by chains in fetters of iron. But he's saying you can reverse this when you get serious and understand that you've been given the Holy Ghost, you've been given his word as weapons of dominion. Prayer is a weapon of dominion. 
which is decreeing God's purpose upon Britain, upon Scotland, upon wherever you live. Now watch this. To execute upon them the judgment written. To execute upon them the judgment written. Which is, if you disobey God, you will bump into the wrath of God. You will bump into uh, the wrath of the Son when you should be bound the knee. And then it says, I love the, the, this, this little phrase, this owner have all his saints. Because a lot of Christians, oh, well, that's for pastors to do, that's for leaders. That type of praying, that's a bit above my pay grade. No, 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 no. Or I would love to be able to take part in that. But that's, you know, that's for leaders, that's for pastors, that's for bishops, that's, that's for men. We, we, we ladies, we're not allowed to pray like that. Amen? Well, listen, I, I've yet to find men who can pray as good as some of the ladies I know. And some of them in this room. This honour have all his saints. So we're all called to this job. We're all called to disciple, in fact, we're commanded to disciple the nations. And disciple the nations, by necessity, means dealing with the rulers. Dealing with the kings, dealing with the Borises, dealing with the Hancocks. Thank God we dealt with him. Amen. But he's, he's now small fry. In fact, he's now history. And the, the, the new guy, we've maybe, maybe have to deal with him. But if we just have to keep knocking them down like nine pins, that's our job. Until all of a sudden, a Cromwell rises up. Until all of a sudden, somebody rises up that has an anointing upon them to lead and that cooperates with God. Like a Trump, maybe. You understand? Yeah. No, we're not looking for perfect people. No. We're not looking for people even who are... We're not even looking for Christians. Mm-hmm. You know, I think God can find ten men, a hundred men, should I say, mm-hmm. who are not Christians for every one guy who is a Christian but who is a spineless jellyfish, who has the wrong ideas, who doesn't obey God. Because I want to tell you, a lot of Christians don't obey God. And you know, this is my wee pet thing just now. I'm going to throw it in and, and I'll finish. It says, little children, in First John, you're looking for the Antichrist, but right now there are many Antichrists. And that's, he said, oh, well, I could live with that. Of course, we live in the world where, but then he says, they went out from us, but they were not of us. Oh. What do you mean they went out from us? Does that mean that they were in church? Does that mean that they maybe sat under their ministry? Does that mean that once they were part of what was going on, he said, but if they were really of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out from us so that it might be made manifest they were not of us. And I know a lot of us are feeling that right now when we look around at the Christian world and we see so many succumbing. To the siren song of Jezebel, of Babylon, of, of the, 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 the harlot that sits in many waters, and saying, you know, if I can just acquiesce with that, I can keep my church, I can keep my ministry, I can keep my collections, I can keep my salary, I can keep my big volvo. I can, you understand? Yeah, we're not here preacher bashing, and we're not here, but. It's time we get serious because 
Little children. It is the last hour. And they went out from, as he said. So, the Antichrist isn't some witch up in a moor somewhere over a boiling cauldron and a group of witches around them that hate Christ, hate God, hate church, never been in church in their lives. That's not the Antichrist. The Antichrist, in fact, if if you study the Greek, Antichrist means imposter Christ. Yeah, maybe that's a little bit stronger than I wanted to say today, but anyway. But anyway, the good news is, and I'll finish with this, Psalm 2, Psalm 149, please read them, because they describe to us the method whereby the Borises uh, and all these leaders, the Bidens, Sleepy Joe and all these people, they describe to us how they may be curbed. They're not going to be curbed because... They might, they might not be curbed because they want to be curbed. They're curbed because this is imposed upon them. Amen? It's not, it's not a, a cosy wee club that we're, we're involved in here. It is, it is a militant thing. Being a Christian, especially in this day and age. Amen? The Lord bless you, folks. Amen.